Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Skill Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to scale models. So buckle up for what we believe will be an exciting journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you will download and make us a regular part of your modeling bench sessions. Now here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, and Andrew White. Hey, what's crackalackin' model geeks? I'm Frildo, and welcome to episode 7 of the Model Geek Podcast. I'm coming to you from Southern Maryland with my three co-hosts, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, and Andrew White. Fellas, what's going on? How have you guys been? I don't, what does crackalackin' mean? Crackalackin'. Uh, something something redneck from. Is that a southern term? That's like a <laughs> well, deep south All the south kids are saying term. it now. Crackalackin'. Crackalackin'. <laughs> I guess I'm crackalackin'. Yeah. Okay. Straight out of Middleburg. <laughs> straight, really out of, straight out Spring of the Berg. Cove. <laughs> Cove Springs. Are we, are we really, right. is this really episode seven? Can you believe that? Yep. I That's I was, crazy. We, we had that little charity thing we did last weekend with the, uh, the yep. Just Make a Conversation guys and Scott Gentry from the Triple P. He asked me that question. He says, guys, y'all are on episode seven how's that feel he said you know podcasts don't usually make it past episode seven what's the future look like i was you know i gave a little laugh i'm like the future look like man it is strong my friend in episode seven yeah. that's a blink of the eye well i don't know i got episode eight next go around so we'll see oh my god is, are, <laughs> is, is there is there a mushroom cloud on the horizon whitey <laughs> the ocho um the ocho. oh man we'll roll right into that one once I think up something to talk about. Something but obscure. Anyway, we have this episode to talk, so let's do it. <laughs> something obscure. Mm. Yeah. You got the reference, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> the Ocho. Come on, Cotton. Come on. <laughs> Usually you pay double for that. <laughs> oh, man. Over to you, Cotton. Speaking of paying... What have you guys gotten? What's made your wallets lighter this last couple of weeks? So I guess I'll start. Uh, I, I made the pilgrimage yesterday to Annapolis, or, or, or I don't want to say annual, but we go up there a couple of times a year to get the wife's car service, and that's my chance to hit the old star hobby up there. And uh, was pleasantly surprised to see that they had the entire Ravel line in up there. So... Uh, I went ahead. I've never used uh, their Ravel Contacta series of glues, so I went ahead and bought all three of them. They're clear, they're uh, special, and the professional. So uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to trying the clear uh, glue for clear parts. I, you know, I got I'm working on the Tamiya um, Mercedes, and uh, there's a lot of clear stuff around the lights and the windshields that are. You know, so I'm curious to see how it works over something like crystal clear is, for gluing in windows. Is that whole line like a water-based type glue, the uh, clear and the other colored ones, or or what, what's it what type of glue we talking here? Is it uh, not no, liquidy? Then, right? I I don't. I'm not real sure. That's it, that's a good question, Whitey. And I'll do some reading on it, and I'll put that on the uh, the uh, Facebook page. I, I'm not sure. I haven't dove that deep into it. Uh, I would yeah. assume that they're special is something along the lines of uh, extra thin because it's a clear liquid. Um, gotcha. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, I have to do some reading. Good question, though. 
You said they had their uh, paint line as well up there? They do, yeah. So they have uh, the entire uh, new Aquas line. I'll say Aquas because I believe that was on, but their their acrylic line. And they have uh, all of their uh, lacquers as well. So were there lacquers or enamels? I can't remember. But I think they're the, the little the one the ones in like the little square tin. tin. Yeah, I think, I think those are enamel. I think they are too. But yeah, they have a brand new enamel. big display of all that stuff. So I'll stick I'll stick with my Gunsy and my Tamiya. Yeah, yeah. I still wanted to uh, try and just you know give it a shot and see how it works out. Uh, I think those tins might be good for some brush painting. Obviously, they're too small to go mixing to spray. Uh, I don't know. So, play around with it. We'll see. And, uh, and you know, some Tamiya tape refills, things of that nature. I, I usually go up there and just bulk up on supplies. I did pick up at our local club meeting, though, my uh, Ravel PV1 Ventura that I got from the Benny sale. It was a... That's a nice kit. Yeah, it's just kind of a cool deal. But uh, that's where the yeah, only kit I got. Is he, he seemed like he was selling a... He had a whole laundry list of stuff. I, 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 I mean, he had a bunch of kits I was interested in. I just, I just figure I, I've been selling so many lately. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna. There's a few new ones that I'm waiting for, so I'm just, I'm, I'm dumping a whole bunch of my stash. So getting out of the hobby. What are you doing? <clears throat> oh no, I'm just getting rid of kits that <laughs> I probably won't build anytime soon. I need to do. Uh, call, call no, the I'm not, flock. I'm not dumping it. Nothing. Uh, it, uh, the only thing I'm dumping, I'm dumping. Kits that you know, I'm like, nah, that was kind of a whim buy, um, or maybe yeah. things that have 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 a double of. Like I got two of something, which a lot of times, I'll, if it's you know, I'll buy a couple of them. So just that kind of stuff. Nothing limited edition or you know, special version. Oh, I may have already paid the price with those stupid A fours. You know, selling yeah. all those. I should no, like I, I said. I think when you would tell tell me how you. You got a good deal on one that you picked up, that New Zealand version, right? Yeah, that one was only like forty bucks, which is pretty good. It, it's still in the package, and you know, it's, I forget where I was when pieces. you text, text me about that, and I was like, "Man, you know, until someone else comes out with a nicer A4, there's no way I'm selling any of my Hasegawa A4s ever." Yeah, I think they can come up with a nicer A4 because those Hasegawa A4s were, you know, bees knees, and they, you know, they came out in the early two thousands, yep. and they still are. Yep. Yeah, I had I had the I had the Falklands, um, the um, Singapore, Kuwait, couple of Kuwaitis. I had a two seat Kuwaiti. I had the single seat Kuwaiti. Um, a couple of Blue Angels, single and then two seaters. Bunch of two. I sold all of them. Man, <laughs> and now I'm buying. Now I'm buying them all back. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you live and learn. It's you just know, cycle so. we live in. Yeah. You know, a version that was never done that would be really interesting. You mentioned the Singapore. I know they do that single seat one, and they do the uh, their demo team. But that one version, the I want to say it's a A4SU or something like that that they did, the trainer. That funky Man. looking, like almost like yeah. a DO335 trainer looking funky bubble, yeah, with that extra. double bubble thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Gabe knocked around the idea of doing a, um, you know, our friend Gabe. Who does some master work for some other folks? And uh, I, I, I thought he mentioned that he he bopped around the idea, and it was just way too much. He was just like, "Man, no." <laughs> yeah, it was funky looking too. It was, I mean, it is. I'm it's sure borderline they... ugly, you know, but but interesting looking. 
I mean, it's yeah. that, that was one of the more yeah. interesting looking aircraft out there. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Well, I will say I got I, I got one more thing that's coming uh, that I'm anxiously waiting for. You know, I'm a, a member of the uh, Salvino's JR Builders Club, and uh, they just recently released, and only the club members at this point, uh, the new 73 Dodge Charger, which is a it's Richard Petty 73 Dodge Ooh. Charger, and it is a complete original. Uh, you know, that's uh, it's 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 supposed to be the the shiznit so we'll we'll see i'm 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 waiting for it here's another one for you we got the uh crackalacking and shiznit but uh yeah i'm uh i'm anxiously waiting for that they have been shipped i bought two of them yes a double but it's one of those that you know they limit all their runs to five thousand kits uh so this particular uh kit uh the the petty one will sell out quickly and uh, so I put a second one on the shelf, one to build. I got to think that's a pretty forward. popular, yeah, pretty popular kit. Yeah, I think it's, I'd even pick one of those up. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a cool one for sure. So uh, that's what I got, uh, and I w- I'll post a picture of that once on the uh, Facebook page once I get it. But I'm I'm looking forward to that one arriving. So I know it's not aircraft, but it's still cool, cool, cool. So hey, we can talk air cars good speaking of which how, how are those uh yeah how are those review the builds coming? there uh, yeah. mine, mine's coming along freaking great i'll let frildo talk about his i, I just got through yeah. uh running my suck but go ahead frildo i'll uh i'll fill in after. yes yeah, it's coming along good i should have it should be finished today i have the the body panels are all painted i'm just making sure that the clear is good and dry before you start handling it and i'm doing the interior which is pretty much already painted and all I need to do is just put it all together and bring it together and it'll be done. I like it. It was, it, you know, it was not bad. I just used, you know, the same techniques that I use when I build an airplane that I did on, that I did on the car, you know, seam cleanup. And I will, my hat is off to Tamiya because for example, the way they did their shocks, you know how, when you put a build a model kit, you get the mold seam on the sides of the part. Where the, where the molds come together. Well, Tamiya was smart enough to engineer it so that when you put the part on, that seam is hidden because it's going forward and aft. So if you look in the wheel well, you can't see it from the from the side. And the only way you're going to see that mold seam is if you were to somehow get your head up inside there and look forward or look or looked aft, then you would see it. But now, I thought that as I was cleaning them up and everything, and I was just like, man, that's a good idea. And, you know, the plastic is multicolored. You have, you know, it's white for the body panels, and then you have black for the engine compartment stuff, and then a silver for the engine areas and suspension. And it's kind of a, you know, kind of reminds me of the old, uh, what, what was it, Matchbox? We did the multicolor plastic back in the, way back in the day. And Academy when they did their their F4s. And so if somebody did not want to paint it, you kind of don't have to if you don't want to paint it. Like for newer modelers who are just getting back into it, if they just wanted to put something together, you know, you don't if you didn't want to, you didn't have you don't have to paint it. And you can just put it together and because the body, once the body's on, it covers everything up. I mean, you can't see anything except for a little 
a little window that shows the the uh, air intake from the top, and that's it. And that's that's all all you're going to see. But it's awesome and should be done today. And I will. I know I need to do an update, and so I'll post an update here in a little bit of where I'm at near progress to date. So, God willing, and the creek don't rise, it'll be done today. <laughs> There's another one. God willing, and the creek don't <laughs> rise. Um. I, I want to echo what he said about the uh, parting seams. This uh, now, remember, this Mercedes is a Reebok, so this mold has been around since '89. Uh, this is an old mold, and I'm come across parting seams. Yeah, there's a lot of parting seams, but it 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 is what it is because that's what it was back then. But all the my big one is the injector pin marks, and I, I hate. I hate injector pin marks. I, I can scrape a mold line, a, a molding parting line off with a knife. It's easy. Ejector pin marks can't stand them. And is it ejector it, pin or ejector pin? What do we? I was just thinking pin. that ejector they're ejector ejector. You don't you don't inject. They're they're being e. When they eject the mold from or the the plastic from the mold, that they're ejecting it. So it's an ejector pin mark. Okay. Ejector uh, pin marks. I can't stand them. We say we say injector. Yeah, be, because it's the same category as a bang seat or a pit or dipped winder. <laughs> lingo. Those are, get, those get are that lingo the, down. Those are the bad lingo. Okay. that we like to use. Yeah. So, regardless of what we're calling it, I hate them. <laughs> I can't yeah. stand them. And, oh, uh, you can say injector pin, but we're just going to give you for it. We know what you're talking about. Yeah, we know yeah. what you're talking and about. We all we just think them. it's funny. Okay. We all the recessed yeah. ones are easier to handle than the ones that are raised. I disagree. Oh. They all suck. They do. They all anyway. Anyway, we can agree on that. <laughs> I I I clearly stated when I started this that I was going to be on the lookout for them, and I have found many, but you can't see them. And that's, that's the cool. beautiful thing about this kit is I think I've I've cleaned up maybe four through this entire build because that's the only ones that i was going to be able to see um and they were easy nice. to get rid of go back to the plastic the frill i was talking about it's soft it's not like the whole the hard 80s plastic used to have it's this stuff is really easy to clean up and work with um and i'm almost done with this one i, I shot the uh lp70 last night which oh my god i love that paint man it is just, it just levels out. Uh, it's great. I love that paint. And uh, this is the second LP that I've shot. I shot the LP 11, which was their silver. Was great. This is just as good. Um, I two-coated it. It looks great. I'll decal it today. Uh, and then all I got is uh, the clear parts I need to tackle. And uh, we'll have this one done. Um Great stuff. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to get another one for myself and Bill because I'm going to detail the living daylights out of it. I've got my uh, all my fittings and uh, lines. I, I, I would love to see that engine compartment, which looks great the way it is, just out of the box, but plumbed yeah, up. Yeah, it looks really cool. Looks I'm really nice. Looking, yeah, forward, looking forward to doing a, another one too. So, uh, you know, if I could get at. my hands on another McLaren, I'd build another one. And I've always I've always been partial to charcoal gray, and I would do it in like maybe a charcoal gray kind of color. I think that's kind of cool. 
but it's a great kit. Hey, Scott, what do you got going on on your bench? Oh, well, uh, of course, the 48-hour build turned into more of a little bit longer than a 48-hour build. I was cranking through it, and uh, I mean, you know, I actually, I really thought I was going to finish, and then decals. Uh, that's why I like to paint everything. Uh, the, now the decals were old, so you know uh, that's just that's just what happens when you've got older decals. But th- these just cracked. They I had lots of cracks in the letters and the stars and bars. Almost everyone had some crack in it. So once they dried, I had to go back and you know m- gently mask over um, the actual markings sand them a little bit and then repaint them to just get rid of the crack. And then as soon as I started doing that, you know, they're just a little bit of tape, you know, even though I had detacked it by just putting the tape on my forehead and then putting it down it pull up a little, just a, just a smidge of the decal would come up and you're like, Oh, so then I had to mask more and paint more and then mask more and then paint more. And it seemed like that's just, that's just the way it was going to go. So I, I, I put it away for a day or two and I tried to finish it in the 48 hours. I got pretty close, but yeah, just, uh, next time I think I'm going to do like a 48 scale to me, a tank or something. I think that that would probably be a, a, a much smarter build to try to do in 48 hours. So anyway, so, and then during the week I just get busy with work. So I haven't had a chance to work on it too much, but it's, uh, we're finally at the point where I'm gluing on all the, uh, all the gear and all the fiddles, uh, fiddly bits underneath and the windscreen canopy, all that stuff's all done. So, uh, I almost colonized it a couple of times, came real close when I'm pulling up, putting painting the nav lights and, you know, inadvertently pulled up little bitty part of the decal underneath and I had to go back and paint it. Oh my God. I just wanted to, I did. I wanted to smash it. Like, why are you doing this to me? But, um, it's my own doing, <laughs> you know, not paying attention to what I'm, what I'm, I'm asking. So it's not the kid's fault anyway, but it was saved. And I, I think it actually looks pretty neat. I, I did a lot of detail work with the Prismacolor pencils, which I love using those to do chipping and, and different shading on various panels, usually smaller panels, but uh, especially wing roots and stuff around the cockpit area. So, um, should have it finished. Hopefully the next couple of days should be done, which again, normally takes me months to build a kit. So if I can get one done in a week and a half, two weeks, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think that's a win and it was for a good cause and it was fun. So, um, and then the, the, I haven't touched the, the Kitty Hawk SU 27, uh, but I'm real happy with how the, 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 it's still in the paint barn, but, um, oh, it just looks, looks really, really nice. Um, all the, the detail and whatnot. I think the panel lines that Kitty Hawk did actually, they look, I think they're going to look really nice underneath a, a, a wash. Um, but the paint job, it's going to take a while because of just, you know, I've got a couple of nice pictures and so I'm trying to just replicate what I'm seeing in the pictures. So just going thin with the paint and keep it going. But that's, that's what I got I'm trying to finish up my 48 hour build. And, uh, then when that's done, I'm probably going to start working on my, um, my review build of the martyr one. So hopefully I can get that one done in a couple of weeks as well, but that's, that's it for me. Whitey, what you got? Okay. Well, regarding the 48 hour build. Yeah, it was, um, 
good cause. We all jumped in on that for the uh, UK charity Models for Heroes. That was set up by James Skiffins over there at uh, Just Making Conversation. That was a great weekend. Had fun doing it, uh, but I failed miserably in completing in 48 hours. And But that's okay. I think we the all charity. did. I think Darren, Darren almost <laughs> finished, but we all we, sucked at yeah. finishing. Boy, those guys out of the Netherlands, those... <laughs> They all finished dioramas in 48 hours. Uh, I know. That's crazy, man. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but but we definitely have to up our game and run some practice drills or something, man. But hey, uh, we but, do but, know anyway, our model my, kits. My, yeah. My, my kit. Um, so, all right. I didn't get it done in that 48-hour window, and I didn't get it done at all. It wound up in the bin. Sad, sad to say. Um, I did press <laughs> on and was in the painting and decaling stage when I inadvertently ran my finger through a decal that had been covered in solver set. So it turned to goo and marred the paint. And I was just frustrated with it all. And it being a, a pretty cheap kit, I, it just, I, I don't want to frustrate myself any longer with it. So it went away. So that's, that's, that was sadly the end result of that. But next time I'll, I'll give a better effort, I guess. Um, and then, you know, so I'm, a, re- a little recaging of the compass needed to happen. So I didn't jump right back into the S3. Um, I'm still uh, on hold with that. Um, we had our weekend build session yesterday with the club guys, and I pulled off the shelf. Okay, what can I sit down and just assemble? Not get into painting, just something to relax and assemble with. And um, so I have some future diorama stuff in mind so i, I grabbed a set of gses that old eshi us air force gse ground support and you know it's crew ground figures nice relaxing sit down with the fellas and uh did did some assembly on with uh with some some of that and, and that's still sitting on my on my desk over here i came home last evening and messed with a little more of it and one of the things that i uh with that set i'm sure a lot of us older models remember it from from back in the 80s is um there's a tractor in there and it, me being not intimately familiar with tractors, I had no idea what the model type was. And so the idea was I want to m- use this stuff in an F-105 diorama. I want to do one sitting in a revetment, you know, Thailand, 68, 69 timeframe. Uh, I'm finding out that the tractor is like a 75 Ford. So that's going to have to not be in the diorama. <laughs> it comes with a nice MJ one bomb loader as well though. So that'll be in there. And then there's you know, tow bars and trailers and things like that. But the tractor itself, I had a little fun researching on that, try, trying to track down just what the heck type of tractor it was. Uh, it's nothing I've ever seen on an airfield. So um, just got on there Googling pictures of USF tractors, and there it was. Okay, it's, so it's a Ford Model 2000, 1975 is what the one in the kit looks like. So not going to be a NAM error. So that's what I'm messing well, speak, with. Speaking of weird looking tractors, another weird looking tractor is that one that the Navy had, I think during Korea, that looked like the front end of a Jeep, but it was like three wheeled. It had one wheel in the back and two wheels up front. Yeah, I want to do one of those. Yeah. I I want to say somebody might have done a kit of that or at least a conversion, something to do the, oh, to, to maybe convert the Tamiya Jeep with. I don't know, but I have some good reference pictures of those things, and it, it is one I'd, I'd like to do. 
Um, I, I think it had a, a power unit on the back as well to provide electrical to the airplane, uh, as well as towing and things like that. Cool, man. Oh, cool. Well, as for me, in the 48-hour build, I did not finish. And part of the reason was, not making excuses, but my original kit that I had set out to use was the Monogram 48-scale P40B. And I had my plan laid out how I was going to attack it. Boom. Had interior and all done Friday night. So that way, Saturday morning, I could roll in and just put the fuselage together. I'd already done the wing, painted the wheel wells and everything. So all I had to do was just bring it all together. And I was trying to line up the fuselage halves. And they didn't want to line up. The left side was warped. And so I thought, okay, I'll just you know tweak it a little bit. And I'll just glue it to the other side. And everything will be fine. Well, I was doing that. And I was focusing, getting it all together, and all of a sudden, I heard a crack. And I looked, and the left side of the fuselage, right behind the exhaust manifold area, just split. I mean, it just cracked right in half, and it fell on the floor. And I was just like, oh, man, this isn't going to work. And so I was looking at maybe I could try and fix it. But then I didn't want to have to worry about sanding over that, fixing the, you know, blending the repair in. And so I went looking at the shelf, you know, seeing if I had anything in the stash that I could, you know, bang out pretty quick. And I ended up settling on the old Ataki 48 scale 109 G6. So I pulled it off the shelf and it had maybe like five more parts than the monogram P40 did. And started putting that together and I got close. I was deckling in the last closing hours of it and I just didn't get it finished. And so it's languishing around to finish. So I will hopefully finish that here sometime this week as well. But, you know, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. You know, it was fun because it was kind of like, oh, I got to get down and do this, you know, and you kind of keep yourself to a time schedule and, you know, on track and stuff just happens and you're just like, oh, crap. And then you got to figure something out to, to fix it or, you know, to call an audible and completely go a different direction. Yeah, you. I mean, you you started a kit, and then twenty four hours later, you started another one. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you really only you had a twenty four hour build, so you're you're kind of a, ahead of the game, you know. But it's I, I think see. that's the whole that's the whole deal about because at first I'm like, there's no way I can build a kit in forty eight hours. There's no way, and I was like thinking about it. I'm like, well, but that's the challenge. Try see if you can do it. And the answer that I got was no, I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I, I tried, we, we all, but man, 40, cause I just, again, decals, you gotta let that stuff sit, even paint, you know, you gotta let it sit and at least yeah. dry before you can move on. So I, I think maybe like a week build, that would be more reasonable, but, or, or just do like a little Jeep or a tank or a figure or something that you can literally do in, in two days. But, um, yeah, my next 48 hour build is going to be like, you know, like what why do you what you put together for your review, which is a forty eight scale, you know, to me a tank or something, you know. You could do uh, one well, of those Star Wars one forty four scale or some Star Wars fighters. stuff, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean yeah. our the challenge was a forty eight scale kit. So that that was uh you know, yeah. so going in, you know you have to pick a forty eight kit. Yeah. For myself, I know I didn't I didn't put myself in the right mindset because I was like, okay, I can take this relatively easy kit and bang it out over the weekend without really having to interrupt my life any. Like, you know, I, I think I did some yard work Saturday morning, and I went to, like, 
brunch with the wife and daughter up in an hour, two hours away in Alexandria. Uh, and got back here thinking, yeah, I still have time to paint and put decals on. It was like way too late. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, in, in short, I didn't strap myself to the bench and, yeah. and, and roll through it. And that's really what she got, what I should have done yeah. is just put myself yeah. in the mindset of, okay, the hobby shop door is locked and I'm in here, I'm in the bunker and I'm banging away on this kit. That, that's how you get it done. And, and I just yeah. didn't take that approach. I just, cause I was like, eh. It's an easy kit. I can bang this thing out pretty quick. And it just, nope. It, it'll surprise you because, like you say, you know, you are going to wait for paint to dry. And a hairdryer does come in handy for that. Um, you know, that'll definitely speed up the process. But there is still, I mean, waiting for parts to dry is pretty important, too. Yeah. You know, you want, yeah. you want, you know, I'm, I'm building a seaplane with two pontoons. I just can't, well, I guess I could, probably could have used some CA glue and done it that, went that route. But I'm using Tamiya glue and, you know, I want it to sit for a good couple hours, you know, and that, and I think that was my yard work break. I was like, okay, I'll let these things sit and I'll go do some yard work. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the only reason why I, cause I, I actually thought I, Friday night when I went to bed, I had it put together and primed and I was Man. like, oh yeah, I will definitely finish. But you know, Allison was out of town. My wife was out of town. So I just did. I sat down in my room. I started at 1530 when that's when the clock started. And when I went to bed at like midnight, it was primed and ready for paint the next day. And then I, so I, then I got kind of complacent. So I was like, well, I'll take some time my, you know, with post shading and fading and make the finish look, man, I should have just painted it, thrown the, you know, just polished a little bit with what I normally do. Just <laughs> polish it, throw the decals on and, and, and move on instead no i start fading the finish and doing all this stuff to it next thing you know i'm like crap i gotta hurry up i gotta put decals on and then it just went south so <laughs> you know there you go well. see so good debrief we, we all learned something yep. um we'll <laughs> we'll get it done the next time <laughs> yeah. you know it kind of yeah. took me back to my childhood too when i was you know 10 11 years old you get a kit and you know, you would finish it in a weekend, or at least I would, and it would look yeah. like a total glue bomb, you know, but you're like, man, look at this, you know, yeah. I built this, you know, and so, yeah, so it yeah. kind of took me back to my childhood a little bit. It was uh, for fun. me, it's like somebody asked me, so what, what was, uh, what, what did you learn from your 48-hour build? And I'm like, I learned don't rush, <laughs> 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 which is impossible. You have to rush in a 48-hour build, but it's like, yep, that's my... My motto is like, be patient when you're painting and don't rush stuff, which is exactly what I didn't do. And, you know, so I've taken a little bit longer, but it was, it was fun. And, uh, it was, it was kind of cool to see how far you could get in, in two days. And, and like I said, I think we all almost pulled it off, but, um, yep. Darren probably got closest, I think, cause he, you finished yours now. Yours is done, right? Yeah. My, my mine done. is done. I, I mean, I've got one thing I need to fix. I, <laughs> I tried to cut a corner and super glue in one of the side windows and you know I have my uh my Bob Smith Industries the the the, the anti fog CA you know works for foam I pulled the wrong tube of glue out I had a little dropper and a my little bottle cap and I was put it in there and whenever I pulled the the masking off I went oh I know what I did cuz it was fogged up that window was fogged so <laughs> So I'll punch that window out and uh, buff it out and then oh, put it back yeah. in. But yeah, 
it is what it is. It happens. You know? Happens. Yep. But uh, overall, I was really happy with the way it came out. I finished it the the next day. <laughs> Congratulations! You're the only one to to get there, get to the finish line. All right, guys, good deal. Now moving on to the notes and news. What have you guys heard or seen on the hobby front? Anything good? Yeah, this is a quiet week. I don't. I think uh, the only thing that I saw that I was that kind of piqued my interest was um, the review that I saw about the new sprues from the F4B from Tamiya. They had some pretty decent pictures of of the kit and all the sprues, and I think there's some folks that have got some uh, white boxing uh, kits out there of the F4B. Um, be nice if we could get one as soon as we get one, we'll certainly crack into it and see what we get. But yeah, I thought the sprues and just the engineering behind it, um, uh, pretty ingenious little, I, to be honest with you, I'm a little perplexed with the, the multi fuselage halves on one side, but not the other. Um, I thought that I'm sure there's, there's reasoning for it, it has to probably do with molding, but it seemed like the starboard side, didn't it have like yeah. couple of different it was a couple different i wonder i just don't know i wonder i'm sure there's a reason why they did it it wasn't i just think like, it goes oh, let's a, do this something to do with the in-flight refueling probe up on the starboard okay. side i yeah. think some of the navy ones and again i i'd have to bust out references and look but some you have that it uh extends from just beside the rio's cockpit i believe uh okay because they're so gonna probably, you, i'm sure they'll do so the air force versions, versions. have something like that yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Yep. So along those lines, I was very interested to see that that a they give you the ability to fold the wings. That's in yeah, there. that looks cool. And yeah, that's pretty cool. There's also different um, uh, horizontal steps. Yeah, yeah, it's for the slotted. slotted and unslotted. That's right. So, yeah. uh, are we seeing the future variants maybe coming out? Oh down yeah, the I would. See, I would. So I, would sit- I, I think that's yeah. just cool. And I also love the way they did the uh, horizontal stabs is one piece. Yeah. See, I, 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 I don't like that. You don't because how? Because you got to glue it. You got to glue before you start painting that aft end. How are you going to paint that aft end with the stabs in place? How are you gonna how are you gonna paint it? How are you gonna weather it? I, well, I, I just that that I don't that I don't that's the one thing I don't like. Hmm. I mean, I haven't done a deep dive into the instructions, but isn't that tailpiece where the engine is? Isn't that one piece? Like you sandwich the horizontal stabs and you put that piece on the bottom to kind of like yep. trap them in there. Well, yeah, I think if it's the, anything the stabs like are, sorry, go ahead. But if it's anything like the McLaren. There's going to be tabs on there where you could put some glue and add it after the fact. And it's going to like on their F-14, the gun vent. Remember how that gun vent piece just kind of fell in? That when you go to put that piece on, it could be that good of a join where you can paint it beforehand and everything and then add it after the fact. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, because it's all, it's metal and you're using metalizer type of, you know, silvers and paints, they don't <laughs> usually respond with glue very well they'll they'll tend to discolor and and look odd so if you have to glue this the horizontal stab on prior to painting that aft back in i just don't know how you're going to you know because when i built the hasegawa kit you know i i, I drilled and, and pinned the 
the the horizontal stabs but i was able to paint that whole aft back in and you know by itself and then attach later i mean yeah, I, I think a, they did it i'm sorry they no. they did it i'm sure because it just makes them even and it makes it easier to keep that the um anhedral the correct angle but i i'll probably end up cutting um cutting the pieces and so that I can slide them in afterwards. I'll, I'll see what I can do, but I'm def I'm not, I, I don't know. That's the only thing that I saw that I was like, Ooh, I don't know how I'm going to paint the, that aft back in and be able to, you know, but that's just, that's just me. I mean, I haven't seen the kit. I haven't put it together. So maybe they thought of that, you know, that's a good know. point. I didn't even think, you know, about that metallic part, you know, in the, in the, it even goes to the the underside of the uh, stabs as well as being metallic right there where it joins up. Yep. So that's a good, very yep. good point. Didn't think about that. But other than that, I thought the how the canopy. I'm sorry, the windscreen is all you know one large piece. So uh, you know, just like they did with the Tomcat, and um, that. Oh, what about the spot underneath with uh, where they have the engine detail where those little uh, auxiliary yeah. doors are? That's pretty neat. That's 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 cool because the Hoskow kit's just open. I ended up mm-hmm. putting some styrene and you know making it look like engines, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. And the wheel well detail and you know the exhaust cans and just I'm sure the fit's going to be amazing. So yeah, it's I can as soon as I get one, I'll start working on it. So it's I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. But that's that's I don't know what else news wise that I've seen that I thought was interesting. It was kind of a quiet week. Whitey, what about you, man? I know that. Nothing. I haven't I haven't picked up anything this week. Um but some of the stuff I've seen pop up that looked pretty cool is uh Furball's got some nice decals coming out again. Um he's got some yep. jumping into the World War II game with the uh Wildcat and the Hellcat. And uh, th- those look great. The um I have an FM two kit and in my mind I was like, okay, I'm gonna do an Atlantic scheme. Now, after seeing some of Jeff's decals, I'm like, man, might have to go with the glossy blue because some of those small escort carrier units had just cool tail markings. Yeah, so, they did. So what I'll, scale are those? Are they 48 or 70 second scale with that? He's new doing Armahan. Yeah, he's doing both because he's going to cover okay, uh, cool. that, that the Wildcats that the Armor guy, Armor Hobby guys did. Yeah, uh, which apparently is like the cream of the crop 72 scale Wildcats. Uh, but I've always wanted to do an FM2 version. I think that is. So I'll pick up those. Those look great. And then the Hellcat, um, he's got some cool schemes on it as well. One of them pops out to me is um, the, what's it, VF27 with the cat mouth. You know, you don't see a lot of yeah. those out on Navy stuff. But those guys had that um, had that cat mouth uh, design on the front. And I did something like that years ago when, here we go, back to being a kid. and. Um, there was a book out called the uh, the Great Book of World War II Airplanes. They had these really fantastic foldouts by that Japanese artist. Um, I've got that name? book on the shelf. Yeah. Riku Watanabe, I believe is. Man, those yep, drawings in there are yeah. just incredible. They're awesome. And I, could, I had the Otaki Hellcat, and I sat there, and I drew that thing out with a pencil and painted it. And I think I have a picture kicking around that I'll probably scan and throw on our page just for reference to see, you know what I was doing back in high school uh, <laughs> on a Friday night. Yeah, that's cool, man. 
but th- I've always liked that scheme, and um, so I'll. I don't know. Yeah, it's another one I'll probably pull the trigger on too, man. <laughs> well, I mean, but his his you know the furball stuff is so nice. It's just it, that that's you know I, I always say how much I can't stand the decal process unless I'm working with furball stuff because it's just it's not painful. They don't crack. They're well yeah, made. The, they're well designed. Any, yeah. Any of the new cartograph printed decal sheet, yeah. any of the companies using them guys. And I think we talked about it in the last show or something like, you know, well, or maybe it was just us talking during the week, uh, you know, cracking decals. Like with the S3 build, I'm going to go with those super scale decals from the God that back in the nineties. And I don't know what I'm going to yeah. get when it, when I, yeah. when I go to throw those in water. And so preemptively I'll, I'll cover those with some decal film just to make sure I, I don't have, at least for the large tail marking, you know, it's got a large, uh, yeah. Uh, arrow sheet, you know, the checkmates mark, tail markings. Because um, that's just the decals get old. I, I mean, when I look at my binders of decals, I have stuff in there that I bought, yeah, back in the 90s, back in the 80s, even some of them. Man, so it, I don't expect them to respond well to water, let alone yeah. solvent. Anyway, well, that's, that, um, that's, that's what I've seen out there this week. You know, about those decals, that's true because. For that G6 I was working on for the 48-hour group build, I have some old micro-scale German insignias that I was going to use on it. And I didn't want to take the time. Again, I was rushing. I didn't want to overcoat them with some of that liquid decal film. And I put them in the water, crossed my fingers, hoping they wouldn't disintegrate. And they didn't. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I laid them on the paper towel. I let it sit there. I took my brush and I kind of nudged it a little bit to see if it would move. And it, it would slide around fine. So I was like, all right, cool. This, these might work because they weren't yellow or anything. And so I go and I put it on. And as I was moving it on the model, on, on the wing, the, the uh, national insignia started to separate. And I was just like, ah, no, what are you doing? And so I was trying to like push them together to, you know, to line them up. And they yeah. were just. They were no good, so I was like, oh. And so that was when I went to looking at the stash, and I saw that I had the Hasegawa G6. It's an early G6, and so I just grabbed the decals from that kit and went with that scheme, and that was when I knew the Hasegawa decals, they're, they're famous for being thick, and they need a good gloss surface. And so I just went ahead and mixed up some Tamiya Gloss X22 and just shot the thing with that and put the kit decals on it and i'm pleased they went down good and not they're not it's not silvering but it's just the thickness of the decal kind of sticks up a little bit so i'll go and i'll take a 2000 grit sanding pad and just kind of lightly go over it to kind of blend all that in on that so um like whitey the only really thing i really didn't get anything new the only thing I got was on Sprue Brothers on their flash sale, which takes on their on their new site, is in place of their deal of the day. Whitey told me about it. I want to do another P51, but as a kid, I've always liked the Detroit Miss markings with that yellow torpedo or the red torpedo on the yellow nose. And so the care the how do you say that company? Care where uh Kango Ke- Cagero, I believe it is. Yeah, Cagero. Yeah, Cagero. Yeah. They had a one of their sheets was on sale with the, the the Detroit Miss marking, so I pulled the trigger on that. And then in the mail, 
I get this box and lo and behold, it was my replacement Pukara parts from Kinetic. So thank you, Kinetic, for sending me my Pukara replacement parts. And those were not messed up. So I'm happy about that. So now I can, my Pukara kit is good now. Darren. Good deal, man. Yeah, good deal. Well, I I talked uh, already pretty much about the Ravel stuff, the the things I picked up while I was in uh, Annapolis there at Star Hobby. But uh, I, I do want to touch on news-wise. I want to kind of touch on nationals. Uh, you know, April 1st, pre-registration starts, right? That's two days from now? Yes, sir. As of yes, the sir. time of this recording. Uh, and, you know, you save yourself 10 bucks. You know, the day of uh, registration there for that's going to be $65. You can pre-register as uh, 55 I know I'm going to jump on that and pee the T on my pre-registration. But, you know, if you don't and you want to stand there in the lines and stuff, please stop by and see us because we're going to be right there by the registration area anyhow, right? So, yeah, I'm one of the, I'm one of the weirdos and, and I am an absolute weirdo. I, I just I, I, I never pre-register. And for some reason, I don't even mind standing at the line, yeah. which is absolutely ridiculous. Why Why would I just not pre-register? I think it's because I'm lazy and I forget. And so when I get to, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just stand in line and just register, you know, and it takes a little it, bit of time, but I, but I always get there early anyway. So yeah, here's Darren yeah. reminding you. Yeah, no, I know. I just, <laughs> uh, hopefully I'll remember out remember to do it this time because you know, they're we'll, actually we'll be really busy. putting the word out for folks to do it just to keep crowds down because they don't yeah. want to you know obviously in this that's a good uh, point the age of pandemic yeah. they don't want a big herd yeah. of people uh yeah. even though you know vegas is supposed to be wide open uh come may yeah uh, but they are highly encouraging that you go ahead and and pre-register and you're going to save yourself yeah. 10 bucks yeah that's a decal yeah. sheet yep yeah no no I, i'm that's that's you. some resin. That's that's ten bucks. Yeah, that's a potential Airfix kit, <laughs> or some paint, or an old monogram kit, or an old monogram. Yeah. Kit. Although, man, what's up with the like? You know, a couple of hobby shops I've been to the the old monogram kit. Man, they want like twenty five, thirty bucks for an old monogram kit. I'm like, come on, man. No, you know, it kind of reminds me. I watched the History Channel. I watched Pawn Stars, and Rick, the owner, he he has a saying. He's like, just because it's something that's old doesn't mean it's valuable. And that so a lot of people total, think that because oh, totally, this thing was up. done in the seventies, so it's got to be valuable, you know. And yeah, you guys know that that show's like totally fake. That it's not real at all. It's all made up. I've actually, well, I've actually been to their store for the wife's the store, 40th the birthday. The store is re- the store is real. But the actual like, hey, how much do you want for this? How much? How much can I get for this? Well, let's see. Well, it's TV, uh, about, man. I can only give you fifteen. Yeah, it's all it's all totally made up. It's TV. It's they got to do something to keep people it's entertained. Funny, yeah. It's like re- any reality show. It's like like uh, House Hunters. Do you guys ever watch House Hunters? Oh yeah, HGTV? my wife watches that every it's night. Total yeah. crap. It's total BS. They've already bought their house, and then yep. they go. Fu- and then the funniest part is like so. Susie and Bob, uh, welcome to House Hunters. What do you do for a living? Well, um, you know, I make Play-Doh at the Play-Doh factory, and Bob, um, Bob, you know, he uh, he doesn't work. Uh, Bob stays at home. And uh, oh, well, what's your what's your budget? Oh, three point two million. You're like, okay, people, 
Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, I, I was I used to watch the show and, you know, get ideas or whatever. And uh, they're like, what? Wait, hold on. Wait. He makes hammers and she doesn't work and they have a budget what's of $2 million? What's Shit. your budget? Well, what are you paying me for this episode? Right, and right. Then, <laughs> then get yeah. back to with what my what budget house are you is, buying man. me? Yeah. And then I freaked out. Like, you know, they're like, well, we want another vacation home in Hawaii. I'm like, holy shit, I can't afford a damn vacation home in Maryland. You know, what the hell? Anyway, I just thought it was funny. Sorry, edit this out. I just, that show. Anyway. Well, it's like military Sorry. movies, you know? How many people sit there and, oh, it doesn't happen. That's not how it's done. That's, that's not real. They don't do that. And it's because, you know, they got to do something to keep the masses entertained. I don't know. You know civilians aren't going to. That's totally real. It's totally like that. Oh, yeah, because I wore a polo shirt under my flight suit all the time. Heck yeah, and I had like 20 patches on the sleeves. Heck yeah. Oh, don't forget the patch on the pocket so you couldn't use your, oh, your yeah. chest pocket because you had the yeah. patch sewn onto it. Yeah. Well, if you have a good see PR, what they do with the new one. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. And moving on, we're going on to uh, the podcast shout outs. And uh, we'd like to take this time to. Shout out to On the Bench guys in Australia, the Plastic Model Mojo guys in Kentucky, the Plastic Podcast or the Triple P guys, the Scale Model Podcast in Canada, and the Just Making Conversation guys in the UK. Yeah, I want to I want to add one to that, uh, uh, Frildo. I would like to add in there uh, uh, Stephen Lee with his uh, blog, uh, Sprue Pie with Frets. I've uh, started reading his uh, his blog, and he's been posting it over in my Facebook group, the Grumpy Old Scale Modeler, and you know he's got some really entertaining uh, outlooks on things. I think Whitey said mentioned before that he was reading that blog as well. Uh, but, yeah, I do. I hit it up uh, now and again. It, it is. It's good stuff. Yeah, he, he's he's uh, he, he's got an interesting outlook on a lot of stuff. It's a lot of fun to read. Um, and two, I want to mention Dave Goldfinch down there and those guys in Australia. Uh, they've been battling some pretty heavy torrential rains there in New South Wales. Uh, and uh, I know he's involved in a lot of the uh, rescue efforts, and now I think they're moving into cleanup. But those uh, they, they got hammered down there uh, in Australia. And I know that my thoughts and my prayers are going out to those folks in the a good slap on the back for Mr. Goldfinch and company for uh, for helping out down there. That's uh, great, giving back to the community yeah. like that. So, good on you, Dave. In uh, shout, shout outs, I, I want to ask you guys. I was thinking, I was at Star Hobbies, like I said in the beginning of uh, the show, um, and I'd spoke to those folks. I'd given them a couple of our Model Geeks podcast uh, stickers, and uh, they said they'd put them on the wall and things. So. You know, so we've got them promoting and helping us out. But, you know, we always say so support your local hobby shops and also find a local club. And I was thinking maybe we need to start asking our listeners about their local hobby shops and help get that word out. Know that uh, we all do a little bit of traveling. I always love searching out hobby shops. What's the say first you? thing I do when I'm traveling is break out the old Google and start Googling, and unfortunately, the uh, used to have those big, I know Whitey had talked about those, always carry a fine scale modeler with you, so you'd have the list of hobby shops. That's kind of sad, where it's now it's down to like a 
a tenth of a page with a couple of hobby shops where it used to be like three pages. But that was, yep. you know, anytime you're traveling, man, you know, okay, you know, okay, got my underwear, okay, shave kit. All right, where's the, where's the next hobby? Where's the closest hobby shop to where I'm going? <laughs> it's yeah. like a little checklist, you know, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, even internationally, like uh, I was in Edinburgh, there's a great hobby shop over there. And I'm sorry, the, the name of the place eludes me now, but in, in Edinburgh, a huge hobby shop there. Koblenz, Germany, another big hobby shop. went. So even overseas, I mean, I want to hear about those as well, not just the local U.S. ones. Uh, uh, whenever I travel domestically i love going to the hobby shops uh, i always check in, in in my facebook group when i go in there look where i'm at uh so i i propose that, hey we just listeners you guys drop us an email at the contact at modelgeekspodcast.com uh put in the subject line there hobby shops let us know about your local hobby shop your favorite not not big box store we know about the hobby lobbies and the hobby towns and all those but, you know, uh, for instance, uh, one in Hampton, Denby's. That's one of my favorite little local hobby shops there in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, Newport News. Uh, Newport News. I, my, I get them confused. They're so close. But <laughs> in Newport News, uh, let us hear about places like that. Owners' names, how long they've been in business, uh, you know, what their specialties are, and what you think makes those places great in uh yeah, maybe we could start a little database on the uh, Facebook page or something of the local places. Yep. You know, but I want to hear about them. I'm sure the listeners do as well as they travel through these, through, through, uh, the, the world and the maze of hobby shops. So send them to us and we'll do our best to put them out there on the air. Um, and one last thing I want to do, and I'm going to shut my sock. Uh, we talk about, uh, you know, we're going to be at nationals. We we would like to go to some uh, of the other local shows. And uh, to this point, most of our, uh, well, everything, we have financed everything out of pocket. And, uh, well, I went ahead and uh, posted up on the top of our webpage there a little link. It's a circle with the heart in it for a, a donation spot. So if uh, you want to help uh, augment some of our production costs and maybe help us get on the road so we can I know I want to do a lot more shows. Take the show on the road. Talk to the to the modelers. Uh, go ahead and click the link. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. But uh, any small portion would help. Uh, certainly not mandatory. Uh, but if you if you've got it, it'd be nice and uh, be really much appreciated. As a matter of fact, uh, we had not even advertised it. And we got our first um, donation, if you will, and that was from. Tim Cavalier and I, I you know, Thanks, I Tim. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yep. Great stuff. So, uh, we'll certainly throw your names up there as the, uh, donations come in and give you all a shout out. And, uh, we really do appreciate it. So, and Tim also says, go Navy, beat Army. Ah, <laughs> I like the way the man thinks. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Real quick, before we go moving on to tool and tip of the week, I forgot to mention in the news portion that uh, JaxCon is happening down in Jacksonville, April 10th. Um, if you guys are so inclined and want to hit it up, go down there and uh, support IPMS First Coast and go to the first show of the season so far. Let me add to that. Uh, I, I know I was going to shut up, but 
that reminds me, along with those emails for the hobby shops, if uh, you have a show in your local area, please email us at the contact at Model Geeks Podcast for those two. We'll certainly put them on the air. Uh, I know that specifically the mid, mid-Atlantic ones, we, we really want to take the show on the road, as I said earlier, uh, and try and make those. But uh, we want to help promote your hobby shows is, or your model shows as well. So uh, drop us a line on those, and we'll do our best to get those out there for you as well. Yeah, so if you ever get to, you know, if you want to, head on down to Jacksonville and support those guys. It should be a first, you know, a good time. It's the first show of uh, the twenty-one show season, so hopefully they have a pretty good turnout. All right, and moving on, the tool and tip of the week. I have something that you know I've recent. I wouldn't say just recently came across, but it's been in the last seven years or so. I've I've picked up, and those are I think mine are made by Hasegawa. And they are the uber thin photo etch razor saws, which I think are awesome for, you know, not only are I, they're designed to restore panel lines, which, you know, they're, they're great for that. But also there's been several times before I found those where I go to use my cutters to cut a clear part off the sprue. And if you get too close the, because of the pressure you end up cracking your clear piece or you end up taking a chunk out of the frame in which you got to go back and fix. And I have found that those thin razor saws, and there's different ones out there. You have some that are handheld, like the one, the Hasegawa ones you hold in your hand. And you also have some that go into an exacto blade or excuse me, an exacto handle. And you can use that to saw and they're great because you can get, you know, I wouldn't say right up close to the canopy frame, but you can get, closer than you could with the with your your cutters and you can saw the clear piece off and you don't run the risk of chipping or cracking your canopy and then once you cut it free then you can take your sanding stick and then you could sand away you know the the saw you know edge yeah i think that's um i use them for um use a clear pieces one again, one of the best uses are cutting away clear parts um, or separating a windscreen from a canopy. If you've got a one piece where you want to separate it, because they're they're so. Th- I mean, the ones that I have, uh, they fit into an exacto handle, and they are super thin and uh, really allows for a nice clean cut uh, to separate that windscreen from the from the, the actual canopy section itself. So go grab a set of them. Uh, I don't think you'll regret uh, having some of those in your in the toolbox. Yeah, I've got the Tamiya ones that you know you fold up. They're photo etched and they go into uh, the little exacto blade. Actually, I got several different types. I got some out here that are just junk, man. They look like they're a hacksaw blade. And <laughs> I mean, unless I'm cutting a whole wing or a tail section or something, they're, they're okay. But for this application, especially when it comes to, to rescribing pan lines and getting that started again, these little photo etch ones are money. Uh, these are the Tamiya ones and they actually come straight or with a curve. Uh, and what was the other one? There was another company out there that makes them look like, uh, JLC. JLC. Yeah. Those are really, really good too for, for doing around fuselages or just bringing, um, you know, pan lines back. Good stuff. I never even thought to use them for that. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I, I mean, I have a 
the same set collection uh, and i use them for you know i do a lot of mods i'm cutting stuff all the time cutting resin cutting plastic with them i never think to okay I use that to to do panel lines with i have scribers that i use for that uh, well, but like i said I, those these things are thinner and they'll probably cut a well cut a better line so i'll give them a try myself yeah yeah, leading edges is, is uh, where I've used the, the only time that I've I haven't used them to do like say along a fuselage or a wing, but I've used them to do um, leading edges where you've got that super um, you know compound curve that you've got to be able to cut through, and just sometimes using a scriber with a scriber jump. Uh, just yeah. oh, why does it have to do that? So it, I think yeah, those have been uh, they work they work really well for doing leading edges. So and then even in my thing. head, I'm thinking about how I slip over an edge all the time. You know, because you're coming around that rounded edge, man. And yep. that, You know, you're dragging yep. it, and it'll slip. And I'm thinking, if I have a curved blade, like I do some of my saw blades, I can just go yep. forward with that thing right around the edge. Yep. Um, yep. I agree. It works be, great. You you can't. And I want to go back to what what you were saying about. Uh, how thin these are. So I, what I use them for is to just to get the panel line back or where it's supposed to be, because I think using the panel liner, uh, panel scriber, uh, is where you're going to get it back to the proper thickness. Uh, because these really leave just a very fine line. They follow Dymo tape or any of the other scribing tapes really, really well. But, uh, I've noticed, especially like in some of the Hasegawa kits, where the panel line's a little bit thicker, uh, this tends to be a little too thin. So I have to go back with a, a scriber and, and follow. But it certainly gets that guideline in there where the panel line's supposed to be to help you follow. Uh, yep, exactly. Put, put the other one through. And if you go and you do that and you get you a decent line to begin with, then you run the you reduce the risk of a scriber jump on you if it exactly. has that nice channel for it to follow. Exactly. And so that's why I like using them for. Which kind of leads into my my tip of the week as well, is you know, using those thin razor saws for, you know, rescribing panel lines and that kind of stuff and cutting that channel in there to begin with before you go, like you said for thicker panel lines to run your, your Tamiya scriber or whatever other scriber you use. And just, you know, because the end result is trying to get the smoothest, cleanest line that matches the rest of the kit. Uh, I love what Scott had said earlier about using them to cut like canopies and uh, separating canopies and windscreens. You know, they're perfect for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of like Whitey. I don't, you know, I have my own scriber that I've had for 30 years. So I just, that's what I use to scribe lines. But, for complex, super complex curves like a leading edge, I think these work absolutely best because you don't have to worry about the jump or screwing it up. It's just it's it's slow and controlled, and uh, you come up with a nice even cut line. So yeah, it's that's what I use them for. And like you said, Darren, cutting the uh, windscreens and canopies apart if they're one piece, they work really well. Yeah, Scott, what kind of scriber do you have? For 30 years. What's your 30 yeah, year scriber there? It's just an old, it's a dental pick. Um, oh, okay. It's a, it's a so dental not, tool. All right. Yeah. Um, Since he showed me that, I bought two. And well, they work great. I've got okay. so many different panel line scribers out there, and I could throw the rest of them away now. The one, that dental pick yeah. I've got now is perfect. So there's a million different dental picks. What specific type do you have a, a model number or uh, some, I don't know. I, I believe direction. it or not, I can ask Allison, who is 
who you know is a dental hygienist and has worked in the dental field for oh, damn near 25, 30 go. years. I'll, I'll ask her the name of this particular, and I post a picture of it up, but it really does work well. And it's, yeah. it's, um, I have it, um, uh, you know, I guess dialed in with, cause you can, you can change the thickness of the, of the scriber with sanding sticks or by sharpening or dulling the blade will control okay. how thick or wide the line is. So I've got one. Right, I was going to say much. So, yeah. So you've had to re or you do resharpen it off the I end. I do. Yep. Like that, yeah. Yeah. So how do you resharpen it? It works. Just, like, I what use, do you use um, to resharpen? I use a a fine um, sanding stick, okay. just like a um, like a a, a sharpening. Um, you know, if I'm going to sharpen a regular knife, I use the same kind of technique with how I'm pulling the the blade across the surface. Um, yeah, and it, and it works. Right. Work. Put put a little oil down and just keep keep going until I can get it. Um, and then yeah, man, you put that thing just barely pull it across some plastic and it brings up the nice curl so it's actually yeah. removing the plastic and it doesn't split it yeah it's it's nice they're they're about ready to need to be sharpened again i typically try to sharpen them about once a year so yeah every couple of models i'll sharpen them just a little bit just to keep them keep them nice and and uh you know clean so they're pulling off a nice um piece of plastic rather than you know, carving out with like a nail, you know? Yeah. Which if you're, if you're doing like an airfix kit, Hey, you fit right there in. You yeah, just use a nail with the hammer. Right. And if, yeah, that's good. I'm just kidding. If, yeah, if, just you'll kidding post, Airfix. if you'll post the pictures up, that's what I did. You showed it to me that one time I went on Amazon. Yeah. I just found it. It was right there. And yeah. as far as the uh, saws go, I'll uh, go ahead and post, I'll post links to those. Uh, I know there's cool. some of them on Amazon and uh, some of Sprue brothers uh, that, that, difference out there so i'll post up some links to those with some pictures too all right good stuff all right moving on to mail call mail call you know i had the uh mail booby watch this week and uh one of the emails that we got sent is comes from mark sprayberry and he says first off thanks for having a great podcast and he says yeah he listens to the other ones and he says that listening to all the podcasts help him with his bench time. And he used to be a um, aircraft builder, mainly in 32nd scale, World War II, air racers, and record setters. And he and he dabbled in 24 scale vacuum form World War I kits. So, and uh, now he says he's kind of shifted gears and moved on to being a figure painter. And he was talking about how we mentioned the post shading. And how he applies that with his figures and he, and he likes it. And he mentions that, you know, going talking about priming and that he says that in Walmart or in all, any, you know, major automotive parts store, you can get some stuff called bright touch and it comes in gray, black and white. And he says he's now he's only used the gray, but he says it sprays and comes out just like Mr. Surfacer 1000. And that's what he uses to prime his 54 millimeter and 120 millimeter figures. And he does not lose any detail. That's the key about priming, right? It's yep. it's finding that right primer that's going to cover smoothly so you don't get the orange peel or it's gritty or bumpy or lumpy. And um, I would just say be careful with what you're getting at Walmart um, to put on a plastic model. Not to say that you can't do it, but... 
Like for me, because I, I, I rattle can ain't the problem because I, I use the Mr. Surfacer 1500 right out of the can. It's like purple. I think it's the purple can. And uh, it is it's expensive. It's almost I think it's like 20 bucks a can. And uh, but it is it comes out of the rattle can just butter smooth. And uh, so, yeah, just I would say it sounds like Mark's got a fairly decent I'd be anxious to try it. And um, kind of do a comparison and see how like the Tamiya Fine Surface Primer, Gunsy fifteen hundred, and then this particular brand that he's talking about. I mean, yeah, I mean, give it, give anything a shot. Just maybe don't try it on your one hundred fifty dollar Tamiya kit. You know, I <laughs> see a lot. Mule. I see a lot of posts in some of the car uh, groups out there, and, and I've seen some YouTube videos as well. <laughs> And folks using rattle can, uh, like the Rust-Oleums, things like that, they get True Value, Ace, you know, off the shelf at Walmart, and uh, they're they're painting uh, car models and such with it. And you know, I, I think I don't know that I would ever try. The problem with the rattle can is you can't control the amount of air pressure you got. You don't know what the mixture of you know thinners to to paint is and. Uh, I believe it was Scott. We had this conversation earlier. We were talking about orange peel. Did you start to see yeah. some of these? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, we've discussed in the past decanting paints. Uh, at least then we can, you know, thin it the way we want it and, and really see what the consistency looks like. Uh, I've always been an advocate of spraying something on the spray paint mule. I say that in all my videos I do. Test first. Don't shoot, but test first. Uh but anyhow, I'm getting off track. My main thing is, is when you're using Rust-Oleum, things of that nature, it's really not designed for a plastic model kit, right? It's designed for... Yeah, it's like out, outdoor furniture or something like that or it, your car fender. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to use a rattle can, there are paints out there. Tamiya makes the TS line. Uh, there, there, there's, there's stuff out there that is used for plastic models. That's what it's made for. Um. I would just be cautious is what I'm trying to say is what it is you're using in, in what you're using it on. So that might be, even if you aren't a budget, even if you aren't a budget and buying, you know, a cheap can of Krylon, you know, it's going to be a cheap, cheaper than a can of Tamiya TS paint. Right. Sure. But so go ahead and decant it too, then, Yeah. you know, yep. Give you better control. Yeah, better yeah. control. You can adjust your air pressure. You can check, you know, for the uh, consistency of the paint, things of that nature. Yeah, Nick, I know that a couple of the, um, even with some of the, um, you know, whether it's Tamiya or some of the Gunsy colors, some of the metallic colors, they'll spray fine out of the can. It'll be smooth, but it's kind of speckly. So it gives you this weird, like, speckled uh, aluminum color. I know that P47 that I built years ago, which was an old monogram kit, just kind of for fun, see how things would look. I wasn't real happy with the the out of the can. And when I decanted it and then sprayed it out of the airbrush, there was no speckling. So, yeah, yeah just, you know, just be careful what you're – I mean, there's no law that says that you can't use Krylon or craft paint or whatever. It's just, you know, if you want a nice, smooth finish, then just, you know, maybe decant it or look for a – a, um, a type of paint that's made specifically for plastic because it's got a nice leveling yeah. um, component to it. It'll it's where it'll it'll dry a lot more a lot smoother. 
Yeah, you know, I've seen uh, posts. Oh, look, my paint, my paint cracked. Well, would you use for a primer, and would you use to shoot over the top of it? You know, how hot is that paint? You know, yep. it's, it, there's just there's so many different variables out there, and I just caution against using, you know, a paint that is not designed for what your application is. So there you go. Yep. And uh, Mark also has a tool tip for us, too. He says he recently purchased a Vortex mixer, and it has about 5,000 RPM. And he said it's amazing. He said he's had a few bottles of paint that have been sitting for over a year. And he puts it in that. And after about 30 seconds, he says his paint is blended good and it's ready to go. And uh, and he also mentions, too, a thing about model shows and how we had mentioned that, you know, which more shows would put the tables up on leg extenders. And he said the Atlanta Military Figure Society, they've been elevating the tables for about 20 years now. And he says that it helps with people not having stuff, you know, knocking the models and everything and damaging models and stuff that are on the table. And so it camera equipment backs too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I hate hunting good, over having good, to look at something. Oh, I know, man. And, uh, we got another email from Steve Berkthold, and he says that uh, he loves the podcast, never misses it, and he wants to make a comment about our artistic versus accurate debate. And he says when he goes to a show and looks at the displays, his first reaction is, wow, that's an amazing model, or wow, that looks good. He's like, He never really thinks of, oh, wow, is that accurate? Is that correct? Is that the correct, you know, whatever? And he says that it's all subjective anyway and to build for yourself, you know, and that's pretty much our take on the thing, too, is, you know, I'm going to build a model how I want it to be. And and that's how it should be. Hey, man, it's a hobby. It should be making yeah, exactly happy. Yeah. build what you want. And another email that came from uh, our club Presidente El Guapo was about the distinctive markings for Operation Neptune a.k.a. D-Day Stripes, as we all refer to them. and It's a sweater! Tim, Orale, el guapo! Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> you know, Tim, and Tim's a good researcher and stuff when he goes into his builds. And he's a mainly a, you know, 72-scale Spitfire guy. And he goes through and goes to mention that, you know, hey, you know, the invasion stripes weren't just for operation overload o- overlord excuse me and that they were used in several other operations after d-day and he has a very good email where he talks about the the date of the instructions the supreme headquartered allied expeditionary forces issued the memorandum and the different times and the dates in which that memorandum of when the invasion stripes would be and are they only on the bottom or are they on the wing and the fuselage? And, uh, and if he's cool with it, we'll go ahead. And it's, like I said, it's a very, a lot of good information. And instead of sitting here and trying to read it, we'll just go ahead. And if he's cool with it, we'll just post it on our Facebook page for everybody to get, you know, the reference for themselves. And, uh, I think Whitey had mentioned something about, he was going to post something up on D day stripes as well. Yeah. Along with, the great info that Tim put forward. Um, 
I have a copy of a memorandum as well that actually shows some uh, gives specs on the sizes of the stripes uh, regarding like single engine aircraft, multi engine aircraft, transport aircraft, the gliders, and all that stuff. And uh, um, it, it it throws it, it's a great reference for models for sure. Um, you know, simply by the the fact that it gives you the uh, size, you know, eighteen inches. For the single engine and 24 inch stripes for the for the multi engine stuff. So right there, do you do your math, and then whatever scale you're building, you you got your the size of your stripes that you want to paint. Uh, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, throw a copy of that up as well. Yeah, all that information's great. I think it goes into when the uh, you know when the top wing uh, stripes went away. Uh, so depending on uh, what subject you're building is, uh, and, and and what time period would de- depend on is the uh is the paint darker can you see faded stripes under the paint you know uh scott had mentioned in an earlier episode about painting do you paint the stripes on before the camo or after the camo here again it goes back to my favorite term it depends okay was it yeah was it painted uh prior to d-day and need to go over the camo or did it come from as uh, joe had mentioned in our meeting when we had this discussion uh from a depot uh, a rear field already painted so it would have been maybe mask off and you know camo painted after the white was on. who knows but uh that's just some great information yeah so we'll be sure we'll get that stuff up there on our facebook page for you know for you guys to look at and see if that's something you want to add to your reference collection we got another email from kevin sweeney and a couple episodes it was episode six and uh Kevin Sweeney was looking for an S3 kit and he couldn't find one. And one of our friends from around here, Jerry Whiteside, he has an S3 kit that he is more than happy to send on to Kevin. And so we will pass the email on his email address and hopefully Kevin and Jerry can get something worked out and get Kevin an S3. Yeah. Thanks to Jerry for offering it up. And then Kevin, thanks for your email. Um, by the time you're listening to this, you guys should have already hooked up. So we'll make that happen. And real quick, before we move on, there's one more email that I want to hit on. And it's from Paul Gallagher and he's out of Singapore. And he was listening to our podcast and he went back to episode one. He said that he started listening to it and he liked it. And he binge listened to all six episodes. <laughs> and, uh, and he said that, you know, he went back and li- yeah (laughs) yeah and uh and he went back and he listened to episode one again and thought about because i'd mentioned the shuttle tiderian project that i want to do and how i want to light it and i want to have the strobe pattern flashing like it did in the movie and i guess he's an amateur electronics guy and he sends a send us an email you know saying hey you know what do you think you know subject of having electronics in models you know people light it and you know and you know you saw at the richmond show that we were at there was this amazing death star trench run diorama that was done with the bandai 1144 scale x-wings and y-wings and stuff and that looked really good and how it was lit up and it showed like the engines and explosions and that kind of thing so that looked cool and he, so he said he was thinking about that and he went back and did some figuring and he figured out the flash pattern for the strobe 
and actually built the circuit and <laughs> and he runs a pod it's a uh it's a it's a blog and we can put the the link to that as well and he goes through and he talks about how to do that and so he built the circuit and is going to work with me to get me the parts and stuff that I need so that I can do it and finish you know get started on my project so I I really appreciate it thanks Paul and, you know and that's one of the cool things about this you know is bringing modelers together from all over the world and that's just a really cool thing and I appreciate it and I will be getting in touch with Paul good stuff I want to see that thing yeah you and me both but no it's just been one of those things that i've always wanted to do and i know right and you know to see because i i'll admit i mean i've watched star wars but i'm not engrossed in it but i went and pulled up a youtube clip to see what you were talking about exactly and it is it's a unique pattern and you know being not being an electronics guy at all like okay this guy actually i read the email and i'm like wow he's tossing out some serious info there man yeah um for a quote-unquote amateur electronics guy, he's got his stuff down. <laughs> yeah, he said he had the parts, you know, sitting around his spares bin, and so he said he would, uh, he'll put it together for me and everything. So thank you, you know, that's great. Wow, thank, you're going to well, have to build it now. You're going to have. To oh, build I will it now. Well, that's like one. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that was why I haven't done it yet because I wanted to figure all that out, and I, I just think it would look really cool to have it lit up. Yeah, so you pretty much you are never going to build it then. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> No, I, I would have to say that if I was to get that, then yeah, I would have to. That would have to get moved up the list, the short list of kits, because it just, it just, I just think it's way too cool not to do. Cool. And uh, so, you know, thank you everybody for writing to us and dropping us a line, either email or on our Facebook page. And please, if you have any questions, show topics, or just you know you want to say hi and you know, whatever, like, you know, where are you working on? You know, feel free to message us at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com or go ahead and post it on our Facebook page. You know, we would love to hear from you guys and for you to let us know what you, what you think. All right. And uh, moving on to our next topic is something that I think all modelers, you know, deal with. And as anybody that knows me and listen to the show knows that I am a fan of the old monogram 48 scale World War II kits. The ones that have the painted box arts and everything that I like to cut out and frame. Well, that P- their P47 kit is probably like one of my favorite all-time kits. But you run into the problem of raised or recessed panel lines. You know, like on those kits specifically, you have the raised panel lines. And you know, how do you go about restoring that? Do you go ahead and sand the entire kit down and rescribe them? Or, you know, do you go back and put the raised panel line back in? And, you know, and just, you know, what are some of the ways to replace those raised panel lines after you've sanded them off? You know, and do you have a personal preference? And do I you do. think it... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody would love you know, recessed panel lines. Yeah. But like there's, everybody has, you know, their favorite kits and like, take for example, those monogram century series fighters, you know, those are regarded as some of the best, you know, models in 48 scale of the F 106, the F 102, the F 100, but they all have raised panel lines because the technology at the time was the raised panel lines. And so how do you guys go about restoring panel lines? If you do a kit, 
So I'll, I'll just jump right in because I have a very specific method. It's, it's super, super simple. And all I do is I take, first all, I'll go ahead. Anytime I'm doing uh, raised kits, I do use a primer. And like we talked about earlier, I'll just put the kit together and shoot the right out of the can, Gunsy 1500, uh, Mr. Surfacer, coat it, let it dry. And then I take a brand new X-Acto blade, number 11 blade, and I, I wherever the actual panel line that needs to be restored, I literally take the blade and draw on the model um, where the panel line needs to go. I, so I restore the panel line using an X-Acto blade. And I don't use a ruler. And I don't use Dymo tape. I do it all eyeball and freehand. And I did it on the A6, the F105, the A4, the P47, P51. It's just how I do it. And when you use a brand new blade like that, on top of you already have a little bit of, um, we have the, the first layer of primer, it not only is it helping raise up the plastic, but it helps raise up with the Mr. Surfacer. So you have a nice raised line and then I'll hit it. I'll go over it again with a little bit of surfacer and then boom, there's my panel line. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's really easy to do. And that's how I restore raised panel lines. I don't use stretch sprue or anything like that. I just literally use a brand new exacto blade and put the lines where they need to go. That's it. And so Whitey, when you did your DC 130, how'd you go about restoring those panel lines? I do the same uh, method as Scott, uh, as far as using a, a blade to restore panel li- raised lines. Um, typically, now with the uh, DC one hundred and thirty, those old Itelary Itelary one hundred and thirty kits, they they're, they're big kits and big kits, big panel lines. So that wasn't going to work when I did the one hundred and thirty, and I actually did that method of using the stretch sprue with that uh, big round fuselage. A lot of sanding went on with that thing. Um, probably not enough sanding. I can still see ghost seams. Shame. I know. Uh, but no, I, <laughs> for the first time, I used that method of, of, of using stretch sprue. And, you know, I've heard about it. And, and uh, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And how I did it, and it worked really well, was uh, stretched out the, you know, sprue how I needed it, the thickness I needed. And, uh, you know, you, you obviously you want to go more than what you need you go in other words longer right and so I, I i would tape it on one end run it around the fuselage tape it at the other end and then using the tamia um extra thin with the yellow cap vice the green which is essentially mek i think i'm no chemist but that's yeah. what it smells like to me um and then just one time over it you know, so make sure your line is where you want it and it's in place and taut, tight, <laughs> um, and, and just run that brush right over it, man. Boom, there you go. There's your line. And now the yep. ends that you, you know, you have slack on the ends, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I tried to pick it to where it was at a good sp- spot, like such as a corner of another panel. Um, but if it was just blending to blend in with an, a, a continuing panel, I would, I would run a little bit over the existing panel line and then cut it off at the end. And then I could use a sanding stick to blend it into it. 
but the method worked great. And again, I, now if it was a smaller air, uh, smaller aircraft with a smaller panel line, I'd just simply do the uh, the exacto blade method. Uh, that works great, you know, to 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 restore lines. Now, in to back up to the beginning of the whole topic to begin with, raised versus engraved panel lines. Some people won't even touch a raised panel line aircraft kit anymore, or not just aircraft, but model kit in general. But you know, you seem to see it more with aircraft. Um, and I'm not like that because, like you say, depending on the subject, I'm going to build it. I don't, I don't care what. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to get an EA6A in 48 scale uh, outside of the Ravel monogram kit. So th- there you go. If you want to build one of those, that's what you're rolling with. Yeah. See, yeah, I've, you know. I fall into that group that's not going to touch them. <laughs> really? It, yeah. And, and it's because I've never had really good luck. I've tried everything. And I know that Scott and I have had this conversation about the, the blade technique and I, i've never done it uh i would like to see it demonstrated because i i think that might solve my issues i've got a 101 i got a voodoo sitting up here that uh doesn't have it's that top seam right it's just the little areas where you've got a sand where you filled that's uh, the easiest it's that's the, the top absolute easiest you know absolutely i, I started trying stretch <laughs> stretch brew and i was like well it's very hard to get sprue all in the same consensus, consistency, right? To make them all the yeah. same again. Uh, I've looked at the uh, different type. There, there's the uh, fishing line technique, right? You could go out and you can get like the point two zero millimeter. You could get the point. Uh, I, I've got some point two five millimeter here, but now you've got the same consistency, but it doesn't adhere as well as styrene does. Right. Yeah. You have those issues. Uh, and you're still trying to match up the, the rest of the panel lines. So it just seems to be a real P in the A, if you will. So, it, Well, it's not like it's it's easier. Well, it is easy, but it is easier if you just have recessed lines. I completely absolutely. agree. But, but here's the cool part. So um, not only with just um, the blade, but I like to use shading. So I will use, you can either, uh, and, and there's a couple of different things you can do with tape, right? So you lay down the, let's say you don't want to use a blade. Well, you can try another method where you lay down a piece of tape and you spray on some Mr. Surfacer, you know, even a little bit thicker than maybe you want to. And it, it, it will build up against the line of the tape and then you can pull it off. And that works. Also, just once you're done and you're in your painting process or your weathering or your pre-shading or whatever you want to call it, you can lay some tape down and do some shading where you're putting either black or a darker color. And then when you paint over top of it, it'll give you the, um, you know, it'll give you the color. So it'll, you know, or it'll, it'll give you that, that raised line, you know, with the color, you know, underneath kind of gives you the illusion of a panel line, even though it's not there. So, and I did that on, I need to take some pictures of the F105 that I built, which is that old monogram kit. And I had people at contests were like, wow, so you rescribed the whole thing, huh? And I'm like, no, 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 look closely. It's, those are raised panel lines. I never, I never touched. And they look, they almost look recessed. Um, because of the careful painting that I did. So there's a number of different ways that you can go about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't let raised or recessed, um, sway whether I'm going to, if there's a particular aircraft I want to 
model that I want to build, I don't care whether it's raised or recessed. You know, it's just, would I rather have recessed? Of course. I can get more impressive effects with recessed panel lines than I can with raised. And typically what I've seen, again, we're not about shows, but if you want to go to a show and you're building for a show, a recessed kit typically will do better than a raised kit from what I've seen. So I haven't seen any raised panel line kits win best of show or, you know, in a while. So anyway, you know, I was thinking another instance where the stretch sprue technique may come in play would be if you want to build the 72 scale uh, Edelary or MPC um, 72 scale KC135 because you're the only that those are the only two kits out there of that of the R and the A and at the aft part of the fuselage it has those raised ribs in the back and I think that like Hawaii was saying with the DC 130 because it's because it is so large of an airplane that the spread sprue way would be the best way to go and to restore those panel lines across the back. Yeah, those are pretty prominent back there, so that would work there for sure. And don't even get me started on building a 48-scale Devastator. Oof, those wings. <laughs> those wings, yeah, the leading edges. Yep. 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 Man. Um, I mean, it's doable. Did it. Wasn't fun. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, got the T-shirt. No, re- real quick, how I did, you know, I did, I did a monogram one a while back. And I got rid of all the locating pins on the wing, right? And glued them together, paying the most careful attention to lining up the corrugated uh, raised areas, right? And so the corrugations all lined up great. And then lightly I sanded uh, the raised portion so they all blended together. But now you do have down in the, you know, let's call it the in the trenches, you do have a seam that you need to get rid of. And how I how I handled that was with a uh, a flexi file. I cut one uh, thin, really thin, you know, thin enough, you know, that that diameter, that 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 width, and, and just handled it that way. Ran it through there. But the key was first lining up those things and, and getting rid of the. Uh, so if you're going to build one of those devastator kits, funny we were just talking about those yesterday at the meeting because um, they're just great kits of the devastator still. We got you know regardless of the age. Um, I, I have a great wall kit and I haven't looked at it, how, how, how the fit is on the wings on those yet. But, um, you know, definitely if you just pay attention to lining them up and then, then you just need to worry about taking care of the, uh, the, the, the space in between. And, and that can be done with either a skinny, um, metal file or in, like I said, in my case, I just took an exacto knife and cut a, a flexi file ribbon, you know, in, into thin, thin slices and uh it worked worked fine it was tedious though whatever it's what we're here for yeah but but it's worth it it's worth it in the end though yeah yeah what you're going for yeah and so scott kind of mentioned you'll hit on this a little bit ago but you know what do you feel you know about contests you know does it matter if it's raised or recessed panel lines for a show no i don't think judges are looking at that they're looking at the overall finish, you know. The reason you're yeah, probably not think... seeing one win in best of show, you know, that's just probably just comes down to the fact that if, uh, you know, if, if I'm going to build a Tomcat kit, for example, I'm going to grab a Tamiya kit. I'm not going to go to town on a on a monogram uh, F14. Uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure there's models out there that could make that thing look like a jewel, but it wouldn't be my starting point. 
Right, right. Well, Scott, so what you're, about yeah. your A4 was all raised, wasn't it? The uh, Didn't you have the uh, 30-second scale A4? You won with that, didn't you? It was, yeah. So it, it, that 30-second scale A4, I think I might have posted a picture or two of it on uh, on the Facebook page. But, yeah, I mean, that got first at Nationals. <laughs> and and it's all raised. I mean, and, there, and it went up against... Went up against Academy, um, like F-18s, and there was an SU-27. There, I mean, there were several. There was, I mean, there were 20, 30-second scale kits that it went up against, and it got first in its category. It's it's because it, it was the paint. It was the paint right. job. And, you yeah. Know, and, it's, not, it, um, it's not the judges looking to say, okay, is this raised right. or, or assessed? And if you want to, you know, to, to expand on the subject a little more, <sighs> Here we are. We're all airplane guys. We've all been around airplanes that have raised and recessed panels. I mean, God sakes, man, you're an H-53 guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. you got plenty it's of lap panels raised. on that. Yeah. Lap panels. Yeah. I mean, P3s, same way. Uh, yeah. Lap panel construction. Now, in the new um, Lancaster that's coming out, that was a bit of a discussion. And when I was reading one of the reviews is that the, the old Tamiya kit, Surface-wise is quote unquote more accurate. The new HK kit coming along is it's all recessed panel lines, and if you ever get up close to a Lancaster, you're not going to see recessed panel lines on a Lancaster. It's all lap panels. However, again, when you're talking scale modeling, right, the effect yeah. looks um, more appealing. And you said it when you get that. when you get up on it, you're going to see it yes, from a distance. Exactly, exactly. It there looks you go. everything yes. looks flush. True. True. Yep. The more I think about it, when I, I guess, when I say that you know, typically, recessed kits don't do as well as as, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, raised kits don't do as well as recessed kits at a show. Um, I, I mean, I guess it maybe it's just that a lot of kits these days are they've all moved towards being recessed, so you just see more of them. Exactly. But that, you know, that's what it I is. mean. So maybe that's what yeah. it is. It's just because I, you know, I, I've seen, like I said, my, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, I mean, May 4 did really well at a show. It was a one and done her. I took it to Nats. Boom. Got first. That was it. She's done. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it depends on, you know, for me, the subject that I want to do and I don't have a problem, you know, with the, like for the, the Mark 14, I rescribed the whole, the whole thing. Same thing with I had an F5 that I built, a Hasegawa kit, where I sanded off everything and inscribed um, all the panel lines. It's just work. It's it's effort to do that. But me personally, I like the look and what I can do with a recessed kit versus a raised kit. But it still does Like I'm working on the EA6A right now because that's, you know, and I didn't bother um, scribing, you know, rescribing everything. I, I just run the exacto blade get the restore the raised panel lines and boom moving on so yeah. uh i guess it's just like darren's favorite answer right it just depends on the situation your personal preference and and what you feel like you know what you feel like doing you know but i you can get a cool i've seen awesome models that are raised or recessed you know it just just depends well, i've got that ea6a down here as well and uh i want to do build. that one so huh group build it's a group group build, build. Oh, I'm forty eight hour build. Go. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, no. no, but I, I'm down with the I'm down with the EA six A group build. That'd be a great time. Uh, yeah. And 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 hey, we're all soon to be able to all be back in the same room again, so we can sit down and do some stuff, and <laughs> do maybe some videos and put that stuff up there on the page. Oh yeah. Uh, so 
Um, that's soon to be where we can all be back in the same room here again on our end. Yep. So, so something else I do with raised lines. Um, Darren mentioned, or, or Frill, you talked about the Century Series monogram kits. The, uh, the F-101B is a great kit that they do. And uh, some, some of the ones, some of the panel lines along the side of the fuselage are pretty, 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 they're pretty pronounced. Uh, and when I built the last one I did, I, uh, I just knocked them down a little bit with a sand and with a uh, sheet of sandpaper, you know, progressively, you know, I smoothed it all out, made it look, made it look great again. But, you know, but I just knocked them back a little bit. They were a little bit too much. So I knocked them back some and uh, good to go, man. And if you got going to rescribe, a good method is, you know, you sand them off like that and you typically still see the outline of them. A lot of those monogram kits. Yeah. Frildo yeah. had mentioned that in an earlier episode that they're still there. So you can go back. Yeah. And, yeah the you ones exactly that are where molded. put your dyno tape down. Yeah. Yep. They're, those kits are molded in silver. If you go and you sand off all the panel lines, you will still see the panel yeah. line in the plastic. So it assists you in going back and the the all drab tra- uh, plastic as well. I did uh, a Thunderbird F one hundred one B, and the conversion was a CNH Aero conversion, which had con- uh, you know recessed lines. So in order to make it all look consistent, I was kind of you know committed to re. That's the only actual model I ever sat and rescribed the whole thing, and I I did it while on deployment. They had nothing else to do, so it was okay. Cool. I'll I'll sit down and uh, <laughs> let me back up. I want to. <laughs> I'm deployed, but I have nothing else to do in my downtime. <laughs> yeah, out there, you know, fighting for freedom and all that happy hot you hear about. No, I'm um, yeah. kidding. Um, yeah. You know, so it, on days I wasn't flying. Typical P3 deployment. <laughs> sitting in my room, I'd, um, uh, I, I, would, I would drag that out and, uh, and rescribe, sand and rescribe. Uh, and, and with the OD plastic did the same thing as the, uh, the silver. Uh, once I had it all sanded and smooth, I could still see the lines. So that made the effort a lot easier. The only kit that I ever really rescribed totally was the monogram Sky Raider. That's another one of those good, cool-looking monogram kits. Was their AD Sky Raider? Yeah, yeah. And I did that. I sanded the panel lines all off, and that was how I found out about. It. I'm like, oh look, I can still because it's molded in gray, and you could still see where the panel lines were. And like on the Sky Raider wings, they're just straight lines, really. And it was easy to go back and, you know, rescribe them. And I thought it was, you know, it was cool doing it that way. But it's like for me, and like I said, I love those old monogram kits. And it's not, you know, I'll still buy them and I'll build them. And I was going to build the P40 for the 48-hour group build. But the plastic decided it wanted to go a different direction. And so I would like to get that kit again and try it again. Because, like I mentioned earlier, those box arts are like my favorite box arts. And I like to cut them out and frame them. And I want to build all the ones that I've got framed up. And so now that the P40B, you know, had a little demise last weekend. I've got to. Yeah, man. You know, I think I know. I know. I know. But those were kits that I kind of, you know, that I grew up on that I cut my teeth on. And I can remember. As a kid, you know, going to Rose's department store, you know, was, oh, I'm going to go buy a model. You know, you go to the model section back when they used to, those kind of stores used to have models. Those are the ones that you saw on the shelves. And I can remember, you know, picking up that monogram P47, the one that has the turtle markings on it and just being like mesmerized by it. And just, 
oh man, this is so cool. You know, so those, so those kits are, they're like part of my childhood, my, in my younger days. Yeah. The nostalgia, nostalgia for build. it. And with the skills, like my skills have improved night and day from when I was 10, 11 years old to, to where I am now, just, you know, like, you know, just, just a little bit. And so I want to see what I can do to them now. And they do build and get, you know, they, some of these guys can make these kits look really, really good. And like the, you know, the P40 or not the P40, but the P39. I'm on my second one of that because I ended up colonizing the first one. And I was like, I can't do that. And so I went and got another one and uh, I ended up finishing Why? it. What, 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 went, what went wrong with it? Well, it was when I got to the painting That's stage. a nice kit. That's a nice kit, man. It is. And I was doing arrow cootie markings. Okay. And it has error. the, it was operator error. And it was the white ID bands on the leading edge of the wing. You know, that one has white bands. Yeah. And a yeah, white. yeah. And, and I thought, okay, I'll just, you know, I masked it off. Well, I didn't mask off the entire wing and the overspray. Uh-oh. When I pulled the tape up, you had the yeah. white part of the leading edge. You had the OD, which is looking really good. And then on the other edge of the masking tape, you saw like what, you know, it was white. And I was just like, son of a bitch, man. And I just going, I just like just threw it, you know, just get rid of it and moved on. <laughs> Learning you know, you experience. Just blend it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Blend it. Looking at it now, that's why what I, I should have done, but instead you just, smashed it. I, I did could, because I was yeah. getting into that. I wanted to fade and shade and everything. I was around a time when I was getting into post shading and, and I was trying to go back with my thin paint and I just wasn't covering it. And I just got frustrated and I took the easy way out and just threw it in the freaking trash can. Those, those old monogram kits that you're talking about, which, you know, that's the P47 that I just am almost, well, by the time you're hearing this, it should be my 48 hour build that turned into two weeks, but, but that's, you know, those are great kits to practice the shading and fading. Cause it's just, you know, it, it's, you you don't have a recess line that could kind of help with, um, accentuating panels. So you have to get creative using tape and the airbrush and different colors and pencils. And cause I use Prismacolor pencils a lot and it gives you some really cool effects and they're just great kits to practice on and they go together really quickly. I mean, geez, I put that thing together in a couple of days. So yeah, I, 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 those old monogram kits are nothing but nostalgia. I've got several of them in my, in my stash and I'll never get rid of them because it, you know, it just brings you back and sort of lets me know why I got into the hobby in the first place because the enjoyment factor and how much fun it was. And sometimes that gets lost and, you know, building a, like, for example, the, the Kitty Hawk SU 27, it's easy to get lost in why we really do this. And, uh, yeah, I, I love those old monogram kits and I've got several that I've got built. I need to, again, post some pictures. The F one Oh five is probably the one I'm most proud of. Cause I, I do dig the paint job on that one. Um, that, that three tone, that Vietnam scheme, with all the different shading and fade, I think it looks, it looks, I'm, I'm, I, I love that one, but I've got several of them and, and you could get a fantastic finish from a raised kit and it, you know, it's just, uh, whatever your preference is cool, but man, I, it doesn't matter. I'll, it's almost like a challenge. Can I make it look like yeah. a, a kit that's got recessed panel lines? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And the, the answer uh, is the yes. Monogram, the monogram 105s are still the best 105s out there. Oh yeah. Yep. Even with the wonky gear. 
Yeah. Yeah, that gear, man. That's that's a thing. Oof. Yeah. You know, I just and like I've got another one of those monogram kits. It's a rebox of the OA thirty or A thirty seven Dragonfly. It was done by uh, Encore models that I want to do. And I know that the um, trumpeter A thirty seven is out there, but I want to give that. You know, I want to work on that. See what I can do with that. That's a nice kit too. And that's going to be my test run with my Badger um, Sotar twenty twenty because of the Southeast Asia scheme on it that's what i'm gonna use to try out now, my new so far does that kit have razor assessed panel lines because that that's one of it's raised panel haters. lines is it okay yeah it's it's yeah it's kind of it came out like 91 92 and it's raised panel okay. lines yep and they're kind of thick in some areas so i'm just going to do what you said i'm just going to like take some sandpaper and just kind of knock them back a little bit and yeah yeah man just use you know that that whole process of you know doing uh, trying to get a nice thin pre-shade to lay down over on top of the panel line and then, you know, go back over it with your, with your base coat and then, you know, do some fading and shading. It'll really, it really accentuates um, the actual panel or the panel line itself. And so it makes it, you know, um, pleasing to, to the eye where you're like, wait a second, is that, and you got to get a little bit, a little bit closer. Cause sometimes from pictures, I've had guys say, "Oh wow, you rescribed you scribed the whole thing." I'm like, "No, they're raised." And they're like, "What? How how did how does it look like it's No, those are reset." I'm like, "No, it's not. Um they're just it's just careful painting and with the using tape and, you know, shading and so it's and it's fun. For me, that's a lot of fun. I know some people can't hate that part, but for me, it's that's what I love to do. So good times. I will I will say I I'm impressed when I look at a kit, uh, like you know, someone's got an, an old monogram, something or other, sitting out there, and they've rescribed the whole thing, and you can't tell that they did. Man, that yeah. is that is some work, you know. And, and I'm Cyrus like, man, we'll Tan, that you. dude. Oof. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He did that monogram F18C, and he like rescribed the entire thing, and and the F15, and and I yep. don't know if he did. I think he did a Tomcat, like a D, and then he did he did a whole bunch of them. You know, and I'm oh, just man. like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, when I did the DC-130, I almost rescribed that thing. I mean, Man, that's work. It, it's big, but it's, it is all pretty much straight line stuff, though. Um, but in the end, I was like, you know what? I'm not worried about that, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Looking back, I'm glad I'm look- I did it. It's a, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> rescribing and yellow paint. Oh man, I know. Jeez. Yeah, I was looking at that uh, AMT KC135A that I wanted to do with the old Desert Storm Shamu yeah. job, and and like you like like the DC130. You know, the panel lines they aren't too bad, and I thought about that, but then I was like, yeah, I know it. No, I'm not going to. The rest of the that. panel lines on that thing raised on. Yeah, they're, I, I thought, they're I thought all just raised. the ribbing in the back was. No, I think the whole thing's raised. I'll have to go, have back, to go back and, and take okay. a look. Yeah, I got the kit, but I just gotta go pull it I'm out. Not and take a look. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why I said I decided. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. No. Yeah, I want to hang like it from said, the I, ceiling anyway. I'm not averse to rescribing, but I'll only do it if I have to. Like I like in the case yeah. of the the 105B. You know, I was kind of okay. If I want to be and I want it to look right, then I'm going to have to rescribe. And, and and so that that was my first foray into that, and uh, it wasn't enjoyable. 
<laughs> so I'm like, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to do it to do it. And that's one of the techniques I want to get better at is rescribing. Cause I, I do suck at it. Yeah, I'll be the first too. one to tell you that I suck at rescribing. I hate, you know, I do, I hate doing it. I don't want to use hey as, you know, it's a strong word, but I really dislike rescribing because for the life of me, I can never get the panel line the same width and everything as the kit one. And it always stands out. And then if your dymo tape is crooked, then you got a crooked line. You got to go back and you got to fill it and redo it. And, and I just suck at it. And I'll be the first one to tell you that I do. So I, I do too. I, I'm getting better at it. Uh, I, I find I'm getting better at it. Of course, just like with anything else, practice makes perfect. So the more you do it, the better you get. Uh, and two, I think that the, uh, the tools, uh, the razor saws, for instance, that we discussed in our tip of the week, our tool of the week, uh, though the tools are getting better. Uh, no more is it the, uh, uh, you know, the so-called P cutters where you're getting in there and you're, you're barely running that thing across and it's pulling a, a toenail sized piece of plastic out, you know, uh, uh, little tips like Scott's, uh, uh, dental tool he uses for scribing, you, you know, with pressure and a little bit of sanding, you can really dial in the depth and the shape of your, uh, your panel line. So it, there's just, there's a combination of things that all add up to things getting a little easier, a little bit better. Uh, there's better tapes. Uh, you know, there's Dymo tape out there, which is great, but if you need to make a, a, a curve, uh, does it work as well? So there's some more tapes out there now with the right tool, make that, that a little easier. And, you know, I saw, uh, Sean King over at prime model works, uh, uh, he, he does some really good stuff and I liked what he did and that was sand it smooth, prime it with his Mr. Surfer, and then come back with a circle template and lightly put his panel line back in and it holds it very well. Uh, so you're not actually going back into the plastic and, and trying to, to where you get that, that jump or that really just crappy looking circle lightly going around it with the sharp object i forget what he used it might have been the uh, sharp uh straight pin i know scott you have one of those I, i've made one as well with the uh yeah. pin vice handle yep yep mm -hmm. that's what i use to and, do circles and stuff yeah and trace around just into the mr surface or primer you know and it makes a, a great looking panel line so there's just a lot of different techniques out there to bring that back in now and Practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the more you watch, the more you uh, try it. Paint mule, paint mule, paint mule. I've got a piece of uh, thick styrene sheet that I do stuff with, you know, just to, to practice. Okay, well, that's too heavy. That's too heavy-handed, or that's not enough, or, you know. And that's really the key, Darren, is when, you know, when I first started learning how to scribe, fully scribe a kit, and I've only done, I've probably done maybe three or four full scribe, um, jobs on a whole, a whole model, but I I started with um, an, an old mule so that I could get the feel, especially doing leading edges and and some of the more complex curves and circles, and figure out what tool works best. And uh, you know, definitely the whole practice makes. Don't do it on on. Don't try it on on your brand new model that you've been working on for a while. Take the mule out, practice on it so that you can get the feel for how the scriber is going to do and how I figure out how the scriber is going to work on that particular model 
is I take either the inside of the fuselage or the inside of a wing and run the scriber and feel how that particular plastic is going to react to the scriber. And typically one way or the other, it will pull the plastic up a little bit better. So it's just, it's just taking your time rather than trying to rush through it. I also want to throw in there, don't be afraid to try it. And, and absolutely, I'm, yep. I, I'm here to tell you, you're going to screw it up. We all screw it up. I, I, well, I, I'm not a pro at it, obviously, but I have seen some guys out there that are top of their game doing this that screw it up. But there's nothing that a little bit of super glue or sprue goo or whatever can't fill in, let it cure, yep. and fix it. Yep, Mr. Surfacer works great. Mr. I use Mr. Surfacer 500 when on my on my scribe jumps. Just put it in, sand it, paint over it, boom, done. Yep. Easy day. It's, it's it's a little. It takes a while, but it's a it's um it's not as hard as you think. It's just it's a little daunting at first, but then once you get into it, you're like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. And then the more you do it, the more it can be refined, and you know, and um and again, practice makes perfect. You know, and that's what our our take on it is, you know, just I wouldn't let that sway me from buying a kit if it's a kit of something that I really want. And, you know, we've given some suggestions on how to repair them or restore those panel lines. And, you know, by all means, go out and try try some things, you know, and build that toolbox up, you know, add another tool to your toolbox that will help you in your future builds. And, you know, when you get a second, you know, Wherever you listen to us on, whether it's, you know, Apple podcast or uh, BuzzFeed or wherever you get your podcast from, be sure to give us a, uh, a five star rating. And let us know how you feel, you know, what, you know, ideas for new shows, new topics you want us to, you know, talk about. You could do that and you can, um, you know, reach out to us either on Facebook on our Facebook page or our email at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com. And, uh, Anybody got anything else? Yeah, actually, I do. I got a, uh, I just got a little update here. It's, uh, as we were, uh, going through stuff, I got an email from, uh, Bob up there in Vegas, an update on the Nats. It, the email came in, I mean, just five minutes ago. And, uh, he is saying here that they are expecting, we, we'd said that, uh, Vegas was supposed to be fully open. He's put in here. It's looked like they're going to be fully open by May one. Um, and sport attendance is already up. Uh, we'll be at 50% capacity by May, April 1st. So things are really opening up there pretty quickly. Uh, I did mention the pre-registration already. Um, this is interesting. He says, uh, the two twenty one national t-shirt designs have been sneak peeked on the Facebook page. So take a look at the IPMS uh, 2021 uh, Facebook page. He says the first uh, are Thunderbird Jets over Vegas. Uh, and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, both shirts will be uh, available for pre-sale on, on the pre-registration page for $20. So that's coming. Woohoo! There's also sneak peeks of the uh, lapel pin and cap. So that's on the Facebook page as well. You know, real you, quick. Anybody seen what the awards look like? Yes. For Vegas? Yes. That's on the webpage and they look cool. They really do. So uh, I'll post a picture of that on our Facebook page as well. What, what, but, what do they look like? 
Go to the page. Well, just explain it. It's like a acrylic. Yeah, it's etched an, acrylic. Uh, it's oh, a, okay. Like okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah they're called like with a, the with the Welcome to Vegas sign on them. Uh, gotcha. That's it's really, like getting a Grammy. Really looking cool, and it's going to have a yeah, like a Grammy. It's going to have the uh, the sponsor of that award category. So uh, cool. Going to be cool stuff, man. Uh, and I'll, I'll know, put a picture of those sneak peeks on our, our Facebook page. So. And Darren touched on them too, the uh, lapel pin or the convention pin. You know, those things are pretty cool. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad they, you know, it's one of the things you get when you register because those things are cool. You know, I'm starting to get a collection. And I know, I believe Gil Hodges has been to every Nats. And he is just like, he's, and it's kind of cool. These guys that have like 25, 30 of these pins, you know, it's just kind of, you're looking at it, you're like, oh, all the different Nats. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get on my yeah, so. on my hat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, get yeah. you a name tag. Put them on your name tag. Yes, yes, definitely. I did get my new card the other day. I'm legal. I'm in. Yep, I gotta check mine. Um, while we're mine. throwing thank yous around, um, I'm gonna thank uh, Jonathan from the club for having us up there at his uh, place of work uh, the last few months. Yeah. You know, with us not being able to have meetings, uh, Jonathan was able to uh, procure his place of work, the uh, environmental center up there in Akakik. And, uh, you know, the club's been going up there and getting together and meeting slash building together. And uh, I did my first one with them yesterday. I've been uh, first one I made it up to. And it was a good time. Good to see everybody and sit down. It felt like going to a model show again. You know, we took an early ride out, grabbed a biscuit on the way, brought some show and tell, built some models. It was good stuff, man. So thanks, Jonathan, for uh, providing the venue for us. That's good stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that you renewed your card because I went and checked mine. And yeah, mine expires next month. So I need to do that today. Get on there and renew my IPMS membership. Oh, you're not going to be able to pre-register. I know. I'm not going to be able to register. Not not going to be in good standing. So I'll make sure I get on after this and I'll register. Good do it. Good deal. Yeah, the shirts look all right. I like the Thunderbird one. I want the, cooler if it was I the want, Blue Angels. I want the Alien one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, why do you, I'm with you. It would have been better if it was a Blue Angel, but okay, fine. Thunderbirds. Blue Angel. We'll be in Thunderbird masks. country. And their freaking G suits and their whatever. Well, get the guys in Pensacola to uh, sponsor. We'll have it at the Naval Aviation Museum. Uh, okay. Okay. Good. Hello. Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, did they used? To, did they used to have? Do a any big of y'all? I was there? gonna say. Do you? Do any of you guys remember the Blue Angel Model Fest that used to happen out there? Yes. yes. Why? What happened? I mean, Why yeah. would they not? I know. It got, kinda, uh, at the end of the show. What happened? Why would they not do that? That'd be like the best show ever. It, what? Like I said, the Blue Angel Model Fest used to be one of the best shows ever. I don't know why they stopped it. I, I don't want to get into why the whys, but I could, you know, it's probably something to do with the museum, uh, you know, whatever. They've got Board, that new leadership, that, whatever. They've got that but, new hangar built over that new addition where they have all yeah. their special events. That would be great to have uh, the actual contest in there. That Oh, man, that oh, would be man. cool. That'd that, be money. I know. It would, it would be, God, that would be so cool to have a, 
I love that place. I absolutely do, love NAS Pensacola and the do, museum. Do the awards banquet over at the lighthouse. Yep. On the water. Yep. That's where yeah. uh, Alice and I were married. Yeah. At the lighthouse. That'd be Pensacola cool. Beach. It was kind of funny. So this is totally off topic. Sea story. Squirrel. <laughs> so, um, so it was hilarious. So Alice and I, we did an outside wedding we, on the beach and we had our reception at the lighthouse so we had the ceremony out on the beach, and it was in the afternoon in the in the summer, well, spring, May, and uh, all of a sudden, from and from the right, blue angels fly by in delta formation, and my dad was like, "Did you make a phone call and make that happen? That was awesome!" And I was like, <laughs> "No, dad, yeah, but, no, you should have said, JG, yep. I can make that happen.' Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah JG." Like Mr. You know, just out of flight school, you know, oh yeah, yeah, dad, I just called the, the, the CEO of the base. I said, you better get those dang blue angels flying by with my wedding. I, no, but it, it was amazing to see the blues fly by in formation and everybody standing out there. There's somehow they're thinking like I made that happen. And then, it, so all the guys were like, man, that was awesome. And then all the ladies were like, that was so loud and no, this <laughs> and that. And they're all complaining about it. Like Allison was like, I can't believe at my wedding. They had the blue angels fly by, and I was just like, "What? That's you don't think that's cool?" And she was like, "No, no." <laughs> Man, I talked to the the the, the base CEO and the boss of the blues and everything else, and made that happen, and and you don't like it? Yeah, she was. She's you know that, I, that's still it's sore subject. If we talk about it, she gets irritated because my dad was like, you know, thought it was super cool. <laughs> Allison's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. This is my wedding. What the hell's wrong with them? You know, it's really funny. And I think, like, even during the ceremony, we're like, I'm standing there, like, holding her hand, like, saying our vows. And of course, like, the kid, I'm like, wow, look at the blues. Awesome. Just like, hey, hey, hello. You're getting married here, you moron. And uh, it was just, it was really funny. It was cool. Sorry. Sea story over. Well, fellas, another episode is in the books. And before we sign off and Darren gets to spending seven days editing this, <laughs> I would like to, because uh, I know I haven't made it easy on him. I'd like to take this time to, you know, thank someone who has been behind me and us in this whole thing and even has a Model Geek sticker on her water bottle. And it's my wife, Kristen. You know, she's, She's planned things around our our recording days and when we have our production meetings and she is 100% behind us and she supports me and us in this, in our little endeavor. So I wanted to say, hey, thanks, hon. I appreciate it. And it means a lot. Yeah, I would like to, I'm going to echo on that as well, too. I know I've got my wife and she she's tiptoeing around upstairs right now, trying to keep dogs quiet, make everything else quiet, and and does the same thing. I I think that holds true for all of us. Uh, you know that's yep. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, honey. Thanks for helping me support my habit. You're an enabler. Thanks. Yeah, yeah my wife's an enabler too. She's all good, man. Yep. Thanks to all the 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 happily supportive spouses. Yep. Everybody. I know she just. She loves me getting new kits. I'm sure, you know, she just loves it. Oh yeah. When Kristen comes down and she's talking to me and she turns around over her shoulder and sees my, my stash of what she says is over 300 kits. 
in which probably by by this point it might be close to that. But uh, <laughs> you know, she yeah, she is she is an enabler, and uh, you know, good times. Good you know. All right, what a great episode! I hope you guys all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sitting here talking about something that you know is near and dear to all of us. And uh, we hope you can join us for the next podcast. But for now, be excellent to each other and go out there and build something. Out from the geeks. See ya! Good night, everybody. Ow.